Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori, and today we have a Thrifters Villa Q&A for you. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions to us over the last week. We can't wait to answer them for you. All right, let's dive right into it. We'll see you at the table. These are always fun. We need some theme music between saying meet us at the table and by the time we get to the table. Yeah, we need like specific Thrifters Villa music. Mm. Because I use the anchor one, but like I think we need like custom music. Well, now that we now Bailey's no one knows what we're talking about <laughs> bailey sarian look her up on youtube she's, she's so just, much fun she's a lot of fun but that's her theme song it's that's <laughs> it's that quick and she sings it yes can't top something that. like that too yeah we can't top that it's so good we'll work on it all right so we have some questions thank you to everybody who wrote in to us yes we like answering these questions these are fun they're you know i think People ask us questions all the time on Instagram and then, you know, we should share those answers and we should share all that at some point in time. So we like to do these um, episodes where people send us questions in and we just get to share with our entire audience. So it's good like- to reflect on some of this stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. think about how some of the strategies we have in place now versus what we used to do or what we're mm-hmm. still doing or whatever. And I will say that these are all going to be off the cuff for me. <laughs> um, I, glanced I, at them. I haven't really thought about them so Glanced i wrote them, them down but that's about as far as i went yeah. so um, good. That's the good. fun of it that's really the the what we like to do just exactly. off the cuff, all the mm-hmm. time so the first one is do you think poshmark will take sharing away so let's just start off with the controversial topic that everyone always talks about there's like a lot of talk about bots and everything in the community right now in automation and um i personally do not think poshmark will ever take sharing away unless their investors make them take it away. But I don't think they'll ever do it. Um, it's, a part yeah, of their platform. it's part of their model. Yeah, it is part of their model, which is interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like because so many of us are using automation, mm-hmm. um, that I feel like they are going to see an increase in their sales, just based off like things that I'm reading in the community, like everybody saying, oh, I started using Posture VA and now my sales are this or I am really, just because it's been such a buzz right now, so many people are like hopping on board with it. I don't know. Like, I wonder if their sales increase, if Poshmark would ever just create their own automation. No. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a way for them to make more money. Like, you know, it is. you you have this, if you want automation included, you could do it for this amount or whatever. I would pay for it in a heartbeat. Yeah, we're already paying for it. You know what I mean? Yes, we are. (laughs) So yeah, um, I don't know. It's a very good question. And it looks like they've toyed with it a little bit, um, right? Because uh, they had the, what was the search? It wasn't by Justin, it was relevance. um, Relevance. So Mm -hmm. it means, and they have the new tag thing that's out there, right? So when you're creating a listing, you can put style tags in. Um, so it feels like they're heading in a direction where it's more search based and not so much sharing based, which would Mm -hmm. be great. Um, and maybe that's going to be, maybe sharing will still be a thing, but they'll implement more of a search based platform so that if you don't want to share or you can't share, or you, you know, you don't want to use automation for sharing, which I know is quote unquote against terms for Poshmark, um, 
we're not going to get that's a, that's a topic for a different day. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, maybe there'll be like a do. I don't know. Maybe it's if you don't want to share, you don't feel like it's a part. It should be a part of your business. Now, if you're optimized 100%, the best way that you can be, if people are searching for those specific things and using different style tags, you're still going to pop up. Um, well, that only- that would be the question. Would you still pop up? Would would. Yeah would Poshmark still be favoring people who are sharing or would the um, SEO kind of take over? You would assume the SEO would take over, but then even with relevance, what if someone isn't typing in exactly what's in your title? Is it going to act like Google and it's still going to pull your listing up given the categories and the, and the brand name, or is it going to go based off of solely what is in the search bar? Like how advanced are they going to take it? You know, I I I mean, when you, when you think about the sharing, it, it seems so crazy. Like just from a, from a professional standpoint and from an SEO standpoint, you're like, what what a waste of time. But then I get why they do it as far as like making it an even playing field. But in a sense, it's not, not, but it's not even playing field anymore. Well, it's not, even if you remove the bots though, if you remove all the automation, even like for somebody like me who has several items in my closet, it's not, it's not really a level playing field, in my opinion, for someone like me who has over a thousand items for me to have to share everything. And even if I share a thousand items in a day, I'm still not making it through my closet. And right. if somebody else has 20 items, they can share a hundred times. And now they've shared their closet five times. That right. doesn't feel like a level playing field to me. Like, yes, we all have the capability of pressing share, 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 which I did on my own for a very long time. And then my dad did it for me for a very long time. And it, it just got to be so ridiculous. You know what I mean? So, um, but I don't see that as, le- yes, we all have the capability of pressing the share button, but I feel like there should be a little bit of a reward for their sellers who are, you know, really bringing in a lot for them. Producing for them, right? At the yeah, end of the I mean, day, I mean, I, even where I work, we use automation all the time all the time, email templates. I mean, simple things that you don't think about is automation. If there's a a shortcut on your keyboard that you're using when you're creating a listing, I mean, that's all a form of automation. It doesn't matter how you, it doesn't have to be a bot. Bot is like one form of automation. Um, But real time businesses, and I'm sure Poshmark uses some form of automation with emails, which they do. If if someone opens a case, there's an automated email that goes out. So they're using a form of automation. Right. They're not doing them manually. No. I wish they would. Maybe they would respond to me sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they would. Maybe cases wouldn't last for a week before there's a response. Uh, Maybe we'd actually have a 1-800 number. Who knows? I mean, these are all different things. But if they don't even have a customer service line yet for all their sellers, um, sharing isn't going anywhere. Like, you know, they're, yeah, they're, that's some, true. they're pretty archaic. Yeah. There's basics that they need that they're very behind on. And now, mm-hmm. you know, it's very interesting because the whole reselling market and platforms are changing. Last week, we just heard that Etsy is buying Depop. So like, here's another competitor coming in, purchasing a platform that can thrive given how vintage and Y2K is so big right now. Yeah. Um, and that's where the majority of that is being sold you know, it's going to change the way Depop runs and it's probably going to run a lot better. And there's going to be different things on there that Etsy has that they're probably going to give to Depop's platform. Um, and then it's going to be another competitor for Poshmark because right now Depop's not become, really a competitor. I think they're going to become a player now, you yeah. know? Um, 
I, I shared that on my story when I saw that article. Actually, one of one of my followers shared it with me, and then I went to the article and then shared it. But um, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting matchup, and mm-hmm. there's going to be some power behind that. I'm curious to see where it goes. I think curious. you're going to see Depop and eBay kind of take over that vintage Y2K. Like, I think a lot of those sellers are going to, like, that's going to be the place. Maybe Depop will have lower um, percentages that they take out. I don't know. Like, I don't know how it's all going to work, obviously, but maybe their commission rate is lower. I don't know. But you're going to see a lot of people, possibly, this is just my prediction, probably pull off of Poshmark and go to Depop if they actually become this more developed application to use. Yeah, where they can do vintage hard goods and clothing together. That that's kind of a little bit more of a niche platform. I mean, I sell plenty of um, vintage on Poshmark. I do, but it's not my specialty. So if I was doing it day in and day out, I I might get more frustrated with um, the time in which it takes to sell. But um, but yeah, like I, I'm thinking of my friend Brittany from Shop Foxborough, um, yeah. who sells. She's really she has a pretty active Etsy account, yeah. and um, and I can see so many of her items doing really well. Plus, she does modeling, which does well on Depop. So I can see that being like a good. Uh, match right and even for, for someone uh, like Brittany I mean I'm just speculating here Brittany if you're listening I'm not yeah, trying right. to put words into <laughs> your mouth it's all just speculation <laughs> this, is all, this is what we're thinking but I, I think there's gonna be a way that I think Etsy and Depop will merge in some fashion I don't know how, you know none of us knows what that will look like right but but it interesting. Be interesting because Very Etsy interesting. really took off last year and yes mask making definitely helped but now it's evolved and they have a lot of commercials if you watch HDTV every other commercial is an Etsy commercial about getting unique pieces into your home, mm. whether it's pillows, mm. handmade wooden objects, like it's everywhere. So. And yeah. I will say, no matter what you read, whatever you're reading, one thing that is super consistent is um, projections that the second hand market is going to just continue to grow and grow and skyrocket. And there are going to be, in my opinion, more players who come mm-hmm. to the table um, you know, the, the landscape is going to change a bit over the next 10 years, whether it's high-end retailers who we're already seeing mm-hmm. having um, secondary, you know, secondhand things in their store. You know, we interviewed Sarah from yeah, Fashion okay. File and they're in Neiman Marcus. Um, and so, you know, Thread Up is in stores. It's just, it's just like the model is here to stay. It, it's just going to be like what direction people go in with it. Yeah. And companies like Flip, are now on the scene right. and there there's all these like different things that have popped up. Yes. I think there are some key players like eBay and Poshmark that, you know, have stood this test of time. I mean, I don't know if Poshmark can even be considered that yet. I mean, they've yeah. been around, they've I been mean, around. It's been around, but they just became public and, you know, analysts always talk to them. Like if you watch uh, MSNBC and all these different things, they interview Manish all the time and the numbers haven't looked good this year mm. quarter one and quarter two i wish i sold my stock on day one yes yeah. i do it's not doing too good right now i mean i still have it too because i just i, I hold a lot when it comes to investments i'm definitely someone that holds. i'm not sure if we're ever gonna see what happened yeah on day one with poshmark though yeah but i mean and that's fine that's just part of the investing game yeah. but um have i made money yeah but it's not like you know it's it's Day one was Poshmark. Not much. No, not much. Is is money been made? Yeah, but it's minimal. It's minimal. Minimal. Um, Yeah, compared to what we could have made on day one. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah. That, that's the nature of the stock market. It is. It is. And I think that Poshmark is just in a really weird place where I don't think they can really take away what they're doing right now, because especially with shares, because if we do talk about investments and in, in the investors, they're looking at their numbers and saying, hey, you're really not creating that much revenue right now, but we see that there's a lot of activity on your platform. Well, the activity is because of all the sharing that's happening. So mm, yeah, it's helping sure. with their investors. I mean, there's a lot that plays into it, but the sharing definitely helps on their end to kind of say, listen, we have all these people on our application that are that are active every day. Um, yes, okay, our sales have not been what we projected, but you know, economy's opening back up. Like they can always back it up, right? The economy's yeah. opening back up, people are starting to shop again, like you know, all those different things. And I am one hundred percent conditioned now by Poshmark. Right. I mean, I know there are people who turn off all notifications, but I am still notified when somebody likes, not shares. I don't get notified when people share my stuff, but I'm notified when somebody likes something. I'm notified when somebody creates a bundle, when somebody leaves a comment. So I am constantly like interacting. In fact, when I'm like, when I'm driving with Jay in the car and I have ways on and the notifications pop up, he's like, I would have thrown that phone out the window like 10 minutes ago. Like, how do you deal with these? And I'm immune to them now because it's just, it's, I've been conditioned. Like it's part of my, it does prompt me. I do go in and I'll, you know, leave a comment back for somebody or, you know, whatever it is, but yeah, so it is a big part of their app. So great question. Yeah, really great. Don't really have an answer for you. Yeah, right. We don't have an answer, but um, um, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And if it did, it would, it would be a while from now. I don't think they can take it away right now. I would agree with that. I would agree. But I mean, I, I am also very curious to see their spike in w- activity, sales, whatever it is with this- For quarter boom, three, with 100%. this Yes, with this bot boom, I'll call it. Which, funny enough, they see what happens in the community. They all follow us. They all know, like they watch the hashtags. They've seen the stories. They haven't done anything about it. So- it, it's not new. It's, it's no, it's been happening. You know what I mean? Like forever. If you're a big seller, if, if you were or are a big seller on the platform, you more than likely have been using automation for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Just no one's talked about it. Right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, sourcing stories. Do you ever go thrifting and come out with nothing? I'm in a rut. Yeah. Yeah. Often. <laughs> like, Probably if I, I I don't know, recently I've had really good luck um, because it's just a thrift store had really great donations. And uh, so I haven't walked away empty handed, but there are plenty of times I walk out with nothing. I do my laps and out the door I go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like recently I've been doing my thrift across New England series. So I've been wanting to um, support some of these smaller mom and pop shops that I've been in, but it's been a force at a couple places. Like they've all been lovely people. Um, but yeah, (laughs) that's been a force, but, but no, I mean, I, it happens. I I think, I think it depends on how often you're thrifting, Mm -hmm. how much you're comfortable with purchasing. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're somebody who's super selective, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a quantity seller versus, versus quality, I guess, for lack of a, not quality, but just, you know, somebody might be very curated. So That's a, that's a tough one, but I mean, certainly I've gone in and come out with nothing. I probably come out with nothing less than you come out with nothing. Yeah, probably. I'm a little bit more free flowing. Yeah. 
and I don't necessarily need like I don't necessarily want to have a lot of inventory right now I have a lot of inventory just because the last couple weeks have been really good at the thrift store but I think that plays a part in it too is if the donations aren't that great and it doesn't fit your business model for you then you're probably going to walk away there's plenty of stuff in the thrift store like there's tons and tons of stuff but it just doesn't fit your business model which is very right. possible right. and um so yeah you can walk away with something there are times i walk into savers after work which is like the worst time to go usually and yeah i, I you know do a couple laps might find something for myself but um yeah. they're you know resale wise not really uh do you get do i get discouraged if it happens multiple days in a row yeah i just think that's normal for anyone if you walk into any store two or three days in a row it doesn't be the same store but you go into different thrift stores and you're not really finding a lot or you know maybe you're finding one or two pieces and it just seems kind of dry for the things that you mm -hmm. need for your business i it, yeah it puts you in a rut you're absolutely right and yeah. it makes you not motivated because you're like oh, i can't find anything and all these people are finding all these amazing things and it's time consuming. It it's, is it's time consuming to do those laps. And even if you find three things, if that's your one time, if you're working full time and that's like your one day to thrift, you, you can put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to find good items in that one day out. Or if you're, you know, even if you're not working full time, but if you're a mom of little ones and it's very hard for you to get out or you have little ones with you and you're trying to thrift in this short window, um, you know, everybody's circumstances are different. I also feel like thrift stores, as you mentioned, Daniela, just talking about how like your thrift stores have been good. I feel like it's like being at the casino and things can be hot and you don't want to get up from the table because, you know, it's so good. It's so good. And then you want to keep going back and, you know, you sense like there's kind of a cycle filtering through your thrift store. So you keep going back and, and other times you can go a couple of times and you're like, do I even want to keep this store in my rotation? Like, yeah. it feels like that much of a waste of my time. And there have been a few lately that I'm starting to question, you know, my, my local savers has been just, you know, post pandemic, since the prices have gone up, if I'm not in there with a coupon, it's almost comical, some of the prices. And then like, like this week, I found the reformation jeans and they were marked for 79. And I had a coupon and it was at Savers right next to a pair of $16 loft jeans. You know what I mean? So like, it's just, Savers is just, it's its own beast. We should have an episode on how to just navigate Savers. <laughs> actually a really good idea because I, I think we've learned it pretty well over the last couple of years. Well, both of our main, both of us shop there a lot. So. Yeah. It's our main place that we go to, um, especially for me or anyone that's really in Rhode Island. It's our main place to go to because there just isn't many of them. There are other options, but um, either they're not open <laughs> when I can go or I've, you know, they're overpriced for reselling terms. Great for your own personal closet but not great for reselling yeah. um we just don't have a ton of options here but it's so strange to go through the rack at savers and have one pair of jeans before 79 next to a pair of luckies for 13.99 next to a pair yeah. of american eagle for 8.99 i mean the fact that the range is like literally i've seen jeans as low as 3.99 mm -hmm. pants like leggings as low as like 2.99 and then all the way up to like twenty two ninety nine, or even more, depending on the brand. Even, yeah, it's just like it's. And then you go into a regular store, and it's like, oh, this is like such a breath of fresh air. The jeans are six ninety nine. Look right. at that. Yeah, it's it's a very biased process oh, at, at very, Savers. That's a great way to explain it. Very it, biased. It's process. very biased because every price or price is differently, and you can see that on the rack, like. 
you know, well, whoever priced the jeans today priced everything at $19.99, you know, anything that's a quote unquote designer is priced at $19.99 and no one's buying it and it's sitting there. Um, and then the Goodwill that just opened up here in Rhode Island doesn't have a pricing structure either. There is no system in place. Everything is priced according to brand. So it's the exact same thing. We do that's not funny. have like tops are $5.99, like in Boston. No, that does not exist. Everything is priced according to the brand and they know brands at that store. So if you haven't been yet to the Goodwill in Warwick, Rhode Island, this is your warning, everything, they know the brands and they're pricing the brands accordingly. Um, they missed a pair of Carbon 38 leggings, which I would assume they would miss because it's yeah. not a brand that many yeah. people would know. So I happened to find one pair, first time finding it, $4.99, which is great, um, but everything else, all the all the brands that you would think that a thrift store would know, like Acne and uh, Lafayette wow. Forty Eight, expect them to know that. Oh, they know. <laughs> um, uh, Armani, all of those brands. Well, Armani, I would expect. Yeah, but um, I'm trying to think of another one that they had hmm. that I was surprised. Um, Acne was one I was surprised that they knew when they priced yeah. it at eighteen ninety nine, um, which I still picked up because I know. I knew the value of the piece. So for me, 1899, I'm in a place where I'm comfortable spending that amount of money mm-hmm. um, on certain pieces, but it's taken me two years to get to this point where I'm comfortable to pay up for that. Yeah. So like, if you're a newbie listening and you don't, and you don't really know that stuff, you don't have to spend that. Like that's only if you can afford it in your budget. That's, you know, we've talked about this before having like a reselling specific account and budget and everything. Um, what was the other brand that I was like, oh, they know this brand. I cannot think of it. It's so interesting. And then it just becomes more of a... It's oh, Helmet Lang. Helmet Lang. Oh, they knew what it yeah. was. Interesting. And it was priced at $25.99, which was too yeah. high for me. They and I wouldn't keep it because I have a hard time moving Helmet yeah. Lang. So I didn't get that. Um, um, but they, yeah. they know it. So, and, and, the, and I asked the girl because I knew her from Savers. So she switched, she doesn't work at Savers anymore. She works at Goodwill now, mm-hmm. right up the road. And she said they had they hired specific people in that store, because this is the first time Goodwill has opened up in Rhode Island in 20 years. Wow. Um, they closed it in Providence a while back and it used to be a bins too. So uh, from what I understand, they assume this location is gonna do really well, which I think it is given the location it's in and they're going to open a few more and the, there's a possibility of a bins possibly opening up in Rhode Island, which would be yeah. fantastic if a oh, bins opened so up, exciting. that would be great. Um, but they hired specific people to do the pricing. So like they actually have like a team that looks up yeah, yeah. things and then they probably, I'm going to assume they're going to pull different things to put on their website as well, as we've heard other people say about their goodwills doing in the area. And it's just, okay. it that's their business. This gets yeah. back to secondhand businesses being, yep big and it is big business and every time we go now like I I can't remember where I was recently Uh, oh I think it was at the Savers in Natick and somebody recognized me and we chatted for a little bit and then um, somebody else was like oh I'm a reseller too and she was just a random woman walking by and she said "Um, I think everybody who comes here is a reseller and I'm like yeah and so I'm you know the the store owners are aware so very much aware Um, I'm the savers that I always go to knows what I, what I do. I've never had the conversation with them, but they know. Yeah. They see me go in day after day, the Salvation Army, they know, like, cause I'm there all the time, especially when it's really good and I'm grabbing stuff. So they don't say anything, but. I mean, I, I 
think my bottom line is always like, I mean, I, if I count my receipts up at the end of the month, I am a good patron of these stores. So, I mean, I'm bringing yes, you lots of money. <laughs> we might be annoying, but at the same time, we are very consistent money for these prices. It's like having a, like owning a nail salon and having your regulars come in where they're your regulars, you know what I mean? And we're the Absolutely. ones that shell out a lot of money. So yeah, yeah that's interesting. Oh my yeah. gosh. So that's so yes, we can fall into a rut. Yes, we walk out with nothing all the time. And sometimes that's I know what the question was. Yeah. So <laughs> you're not alone. It happens to all of us. And don't look at social media because people only post the good things they found maybe two weeks ago. So don't don't look at that. Social media means nothing. People are only yeah, not post if, the not good stuff. Huh? Mm -hmm. I said not if it upsets you. Yeah. Don't pay attention to it and or use it as, you know, a way to learn different brands. Maybe you've seen these brands and don't realize it because you don't know them yet. And then you see it on the Instagram post and you can write it down and make a notation of what the label looks like. And then maybe you'll find it. You'd be yeah. surprised. Okay. Next question. Do you ever find someone starts a bundle on Poshmark and then nothing? What do you do? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That happens all the time. It's all the time, all the time. I feel like it happens. Um, I feel like the bigger your closet is, maybe the more it happens. I don't, people do it to me sometimes, but I feel like it's not something that happens too often to me. And I don't know if it's because of the price point of items I have in my closet, maybe because I have items that are typically $50 and above. It doesn't happen too, too often to me. Um, but yeah, there've been times that it happens. And sometimes I think I used to reach out more so maybe like last year, but now I really don't reach out if someone creates a bundle unless I notice that it's like all the same size. Um, so let's say they bundled like three pieces that are a size medium. Then I'll write a little note. I have like a little shortcut in my, um, in my phone where it's like, Hey, you know, thank you so much for checking out my closet. Um, if you're interested in any of your liked items, let me know. I'd be happy to send you a discount, you know, a discount on the, on this bundle with discounted shipping kind of thing. Um, but that's really it. I don't really reach out all the time um i i don't know i i i try to pay attention to my bundles because i feel like i'm at a point where i i get a fair amount of um repeat people mm. um and i always want to make sure that i'm talking to the people who have purchased from me once before so right. sometimes i'll just look in there and glance and see if a conversation has already started Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes the message is from like several months ago, like, oh, yeah. you know, it was a bundle they started in February and I commented and then they never purchased. And then I'll see that a couple of the items have now sold that are in their bundle. So I'll kind of refresh the bundle. I'll take out what's been sold, maybe mm -hmm. add a couple of their liked items, send them a message. Um, but like you, I don't do it all the time, but I, I try to pay attention to my bundles and this is I probably shouldn't do this, um, but sometimes when there are people who like make a bundle or like a bunch of things in my closet, before I take the time to send them a message, I go to the about page and I see if they've ever purchased. Because I do believe that there are people who are perpetual likers and perpetual bundlers who are just, they're just fishing. They just, they want, they want to know what your bottom line is or what your discount is, but they really don't have any intention of buying. Mm -hmm. um, and I probably should not prejudge that at all. I don't think that's best practice, but sometimes- Human nature. <laughs> yeah, or sometimes it's somebody who's new. So they're liking- say, Sometimes it's new stuff, people and they don't know. They don't know. Like they just think they're giving me a compliment by saying, I like this, like you do on Facebook, but it's, it's a different culture on Poshmark. So it does happen a lot. I try to stay open-ended um, or I'll just, if, if they just bundled one item, I'll just send them an offer with no contact. 
Yeah. Like I, I don't really engage in a conversation, but if they bundle like three items, I might, I'll, 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 I'll ask a question or let them know that I'm sending them a 20% off discount or something like that. Feel free to make any changes yeah. um, or decline my offer. If you want to switch things around, ask me any questions, no pressure. Yeah. This offer will stand. Like I, I'm not like, oh, you have 24 hours right, to purchase right. this at 20% or whatever. Like I'm just pretty chill about it. The main way that I use bundles is a way for me to connect with my previous customers um, in a sense that I go back to my sales. So like I just did this one to my 50% off sale on Instagram. I oh, post, it, right? it went really well. I had, um, uh, thank you to everyone who's listening that purchased for me, like eight or nine people from Instagram who, awesome. you know, yep, who bought. And then um, I also extended it to my previous customers. So what I did was, I went back, um, cause you can sort your sales, um, by date. So I just, I did like from June, I did it in chunks. So I didn't get overwhelmed. So I did all of June of last year, all of July of last year. And I went all the way to, um, March of this, no, April of this year. And I had like a pre scripted thing that I just put in every bundle. Um, you know, thank you for being, um, uh, a customer of mine. I want to extend this discount to you. It's good for the next 48 hours, you know, you know, whatever it's 50% off anything. And I had probably five or six people who purchased from me last year who ended up purchasing again and a couple of them bundled. So yeah, that's like my sales method that I do on Poshmark because there's no way to run a sale like on eBay. Mm-hmm. So you have to do the manual work for it. And there's multiple ways you can do it, whether it's sending out offers, 50% off offers to everyone or extending it to your previous customers and just saying, Hey, thanks so much for buying from me. You know, this is my, my thank you to you. You know, everything is 50% off. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So I do that. And I do, I, after talking to Sarah um, from Fashion File, and this is something I wanted to do before I haven't initiated or anything yet, but I've seen other people in the community do it now too, um, where they've created like little postcards that they're putting in their um, boxes that they're sending out of sales saying Mm -hmm. like mention this postcard or mention this um, sticker and uh, you'll get 20% off your next purchase kind of thing. So another great way to get repeat buyers. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Yep. All great tips. Great, Uh, great. All right. Next one. This is a loaded question. Um, what does it take to leave my nine to five to be a full-time reseller with no support, sole mm-hmm. income? We've talked about this before too. Um, I, I don't know it because I don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, am I know. Provider this here. is a tough question because everyone's situations are different. Everyone's living expenses are different, um, mm. especially here on the East Coast. Like I don't know where, where you live, um, but it's very difficult here on the East Coast if you are a if it is your sole income, um, my it, just living expenses are high here, right? And they're high a lot of places. It's not just here, but they're high here. So my number one thing that I would say to someone is um, if this is what you want to do full time, then you need to plan at least a year or two in advance and figure out, talk to a financial advisor, talk to an accountant, figure out all the logistics, how much you would need to have in a savings account before you even attempted to go full time. Like you need to have enough money in the bank for those months that we're heading into right now that tend to be a little bit slower, just given the nature of what's happening. Um, It's summer and things are reopened. Mm, It's a double whammy this summer. It is. It's not just, it's summer. We're feeling it on YouTube content too. I have, you know, Mm -hmm. people are just out they're not home watching yeah 
it's just not necessarily. Yeah. They're there for the first time. Like, Oh my God, I want to go into a store. So this summer is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it is. And I think, um, there's th- different things you have to plan for because there might be months where you don't make enough to cover all of your living expenses. So then what are you going to do? You need to make sure you have money saved and that you have that safety net. There are so many things when it comes to the financials that you need to think about. Um, whether you have children, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, this, um, is, this, this is a tough question. Medical expenses, all of, all, all of that. You need to think about all that stuff because when you leave your nine to five, you're leaving, assuming that you have full mm-hmm. benefits, you're leaving your benefits, you're leaving your retirement, you're leaving that Thank consistent flow of income that you always have mm-hmm. um that you rely on and reselling you don't necessarily have income that you can always consistently rely on unless you diversify your income and have other ways that you are generating money all the time that you can and even at that though even at that still not something yeah. entrepreneurship in general you can never assume that you're going to have money the next day you just I think just to interject here, I think a very simple um, indication, this may not be your total green light, but I've talked to a few people in the community who are full-time, who their indication that they were ready to transition was when they started making more money reselling than they were making at their full-time job. That's a good point. If say you're working in retail right now and you're being paid by the hour, um, it might be a little easier to surpass that income Um, If you are working in a high level corporate job, it's going to be difficult to surpass that income. So it really depends on what you're doing right now, what your nine to five is too, Mm -hmm. and what your level of comfort is. So I think that that was kind of a cool thing that I heard from a few people that who said, you know, I was doing this part-time. It was my side hustle. It was what I did for fun. Then it became more and more and more. And then I realized one month I made more money reselling than I was making at my full-time job. And that's when I knew it was time to transition. But still, even with that in mind, even if you're making more money on paper, that's not benefits. That's not paid time off. That's not childcare, like all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think both, yeah, I, I think the savings is essential. Um, having some sort of a plan in place. Um, it's tough. I mean, I, I have close friends who do this full time and they are the sole um, mm-hmm. you know, income for the family. And, and they have months where they're very stressed, very yeah. stressed. I mean, all it takes is like one, like something to go, like you need a new roof or you need a right. new transmission in your car. And all of a sudden, like the nest egg that you have can be like taken really quickly. Absolutely. And there's just two more things I want to mention about this too, is my dad owned his own business. So there were months where he didn't have a lot of work. He was a mechanic. And as years went on, when he first started, business was booming but as the cars changed and as dealerships kind of took over a lot of the different Mm. tasks that little mechanics could do that a lot of them can't do because the equipment just costs way too much money for them to take on um or the cars just don't allow for a small mechanic to work on it anymore and you have to go into the dealerships because they have different tools or different computer systems that speak to the car Mm. um we didn't have money coming in So at a very young age, when I started working, I had to work additional jobs or I had to find other ways to make money because 
my dad wasn't bringing in as much as he was maybe the month before. And, uh, you know, mortgage, food, all these different things. So I learned at a very young age that, you know, what it meant to hustle. And my dad always worked a second job. And, you know, there were different things that he did that, to, to help supplement. But his main source of income had decreased. So mm-hmm. any form of entrepreneurship, you're going to find this, not just in reselling. Um, the other thing, too, is you need to really find out if reselling is really what you want to do full-time. Cause I think we all experience this. If you work a full-time job um, and I can speak because I work a full-time job and I do this, there's this element of reselling that is so freeing um, mm-hmm. because you are your own boss and um, you, you just, you fall into this cycle where it's like, I could do this every single day. This is amazing. Um, you know, there's a lot of really great perks to it. And you kind of forget of all the business side of things that have to be done with reselling, especially when you grow, like the accounting, the taxes, um, just managing your time and cross-listing, all these different things that fall in that you forget because we just remember the the, the sourcing. The, the sourcing part. is the fun part, and that's what we remember. So just keeping that in mind. Um, sell the things in your home first that you don't need. Sell your clothes that you don't want anymore. Like Do all that first build build your income that way and 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 grow from there and use the different tips that Lori said and then you know I had mentioned about um, financials and, and kind of go from there that's I mean, the even, even with doing this full-time um I don't know like I think in terms of my accounting and what a mess I would be if I didn't have Jay doing my accounting and yeah it's there, a lot there's, there's it's a lot it's a lot I I've been it's a lot to juggle but you know what I mean? It can be done. And there are people. Absolutely. Who- there are very successful people out there that are Absolutely. doing it. Um, and yes, it can be done, but you just have to take your time for take you. Your time yeah. No it. rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one is what is your OTL? Just offer to like or strategy. Wait a bit right away. Closet clear out bundles. Not at all. So many questions. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so I typically don't participate in closet clear out. Uh, Lori, I know you do on occasion. Not really, not yeah. so often. Once in yeah. a while, like if if the stars align, I participate yeah. in it. Like I had somebody last week who purchased something, and we were kind of negotiating on the price, and she said, um, "How about you discount it to this amount, and then you know, basically, I'll get the discounted shipping, and you'll make the extra two dollars because yeah. you won't give me." And and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. It's closet clear out, sure. You know, that's whatever you or, want." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't really have a system. I, I I don't know if it's just that I'm lazy. I don't like to mark my things down because I feel like I will forget. And then once they're marked down once, it's really hard to go back and price them up. I am much more, my model is much more based on um, like I price high and I send aggressive offers. Like I, you know, and, and I give myself enough cushion on my margins um, to be able to do that. So Offer to likers, yes, all day. I take advantage of that a lot. I send offers to likers when I'm paying attention, usually not immediately, not within seconds, um, but you know, half an hour or so. If I'm if I'm on the app, I'll send yeah. them out, um, or I'll just go in and search my news and see what I have for likes at the end of the day. Maybe send offers at the end of the day. I'm not super systematic about it, but I do use offer to likers a lot. Um, we talked about bundles already, and I'm not big on closet clear out. That's yeah, I, I use offer to likers every day, all the time. Um, I wait like 15 minutes, 30 minutes mm-hmm. in that range. Yeah. Um, and that is probably my main 
way of making sales on Poshmark. Mm -hmm. If I didn't use offers to likers, and I've tested this, not for long periods of time, but I've tested not sending offers to likers um, for a full day, and my feed was like dead on Poshmark. I didn't make mm. any sales. I think the offer feature, even if someone doesn't accept your offer that day, um, because they, whatever the reason is, didn't have the funds or they had to think about it, a lot of times people come back even maybe a week or two later and they'll send you an offer for the price you send, maybe a few dollars less to account for the shipping, right? So let's say you send an offer $40 with discounted shipping, they might set one for 38 or 37. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna accept it because it's basically the same thing at that point. So I use Mm -hmm. Offers to Lakers as almost a way to start the conversation. And if they really want it, they'll come back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I even shop that way now. Like I'll, I'll look Me at things too. and I'll, I'll like them and be like, ah, oh, I'm not like fully committed to this product, this, right. this item right now, but it's cute. And if they send me the right offer, I'd buy it. But if they don't send me the right offer, then I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. I mean, and that's yeah. the difference between having an item that's like super hot that people don't want to miss out on. Mm-hmm. That's when you get your full price sales versus something that's cute, but people can kind of live without. So they wait, you know, and I'm here to send those offers to those people. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I'm your girl. Yeah. But I think Officer Likers is a great, great tool to use on Poshmark, especially since we don't have a, like a, a way to do a sale like eBay. Um, so I think it's a great way. And Makari does offers to, um, it's a good tool. eBay also has offers to watchers. Yes, they do. I also do. And I do make sales off of that as well too. too. Um, I'm just not as into my groove with eBay. But, um, so I probably send those maybe like once, twice a week where I have friends who, you know, that's the first thing they do every morning is they send their offers to watchers and they can do it in bulk on eBay as well. Yeah, I do it. This episode is brought to you by Reese's peanut butter cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Daily, when I have anything because eBay sometimes is just completely dead for me, but I definitely do like the promoted listings. I do all that kind of stuff to kind of help with um, sales and I run promotions in my eBay store and all of that just kind of help. Yeah. Just keep it just just like, even though competitive with retailers, basically, (laughs) even though eBay doesn't have the sharing, they still like the activity. Yes, absolutely. They know when you're on there as well. Um, this next question is fun. Thrift store, bins, buy, sell, trade. What do we like? What don't we like? We like it all. We like it all. We yeah. like it all. I am all of the above. All of yes. the above. And throw a little RA in there sometimes yeah. in the sales. I like it all. Yeah, like me things. too. There isn't one that I prefer over the other. Uh, bins is unpredictable and you don't know what you're going to find. So it's like an element of surprise. Might be great, may not be great. Thrift store, same thing. You don't know, might be amazing, may not be. It's just a thrill of fun, really. All, I mean, these are not consistent stores. I no. mean, you, know, you may be in an area that consistently gets good right. good or bad donations, but you know, it's always a gamble when you walk in. I will say, you know, I've been doing this for three years and I I, I feel the three years of age at the bins. Like I feel like I feel like a grandma saying, When I used to go to the bins, I could stay yeah. for seven hours. Now I I like it. I have to be mentally 
up for the bins. It's a lot. Well, because I think what's changed for me is I used to just be very comfortable with a death pile for for a decent amount of time. And now that I have my inventory under control and I have Caitlin, who is an assistant who helps me, she works nine, 10 hours a week. I know when something comes through the door, like how long it's going to take to process it. So I don't necessarily want to be like at the bins grabbing, you know, 50 new items that could be damaged that might sell, you know, like I've just gotten a little more. So, so I have to be up for the bins, but I still love it. Sometimes I'll go to the bins. I'm like, why don't I come here every single week? Yeah. I think it depends on what you find, but then you can say the same thing about the thrift store. Like why did I knock this place out of my list of places to go to? It's been so good the last few days. Um, I will say buy, sell trade stores. I like going to simply for the fact that it's organized and it's a little different than a thrift store. And yes, the prices are higher, but typically you can find more curated pieces if that's the kind of stuff you like to sell. Um, so sometimes the experience in a buy, sell trade, while yes, the price point may be higher, it can be a better experience. And we, there's a lot of resellers out there that only do buy, sell trade because that's how curated their closet is. Um, I like going to a thrift store. Yeah. Same. That's probably my favorite place to go. I like the bins too, but, um, it is exhausting and they're not really that close to me. So, uh, it's like an all day affair. You can't really be, I, and no longer can we be spontaneous with the bins either with the right. Rotation. So now, it kind of takes that have, away. Yeah. You don't have to get in line anymore, but like I used to be able to walk in any time of the yeah, day. Whenever it didn't matter. There would be rotations and now they, they kick you out to do the rotations. That's not going away in New Hampshire. Okay. So there's no wait anymore. You can just walk right in. There's no more numbers being handed out, but they still have their schedule where they kick you out and then they switch the bins and then there's no rotations while you're there, which was so much part of the fun. You that know? was like the whole point of it before. So, I mean, but the good thing about that is you can plan for it and just be like, yeah. okay, I'm just going to do this one rotation because you know the rotation. It's not like I'm in there and you know, when you're in there, you're afraid to leave because you're like, well, what if they're coming out with a shoe bin in five minutes and I leave? You just, it's like that intermittent reinforcement. You just don't know when it's coming. So you don't want to walk away from it. Yeah. Where with the, with the other rotations, you can say, well, I'll get there at this time. I'll be there for two hours because that's when they kick me out. And okay. then I will go home and I know I can be home at this time. I feel like you can plan your time a little bit better, but Mm -hmm. I think the thrift store is like right in the middle. You get those really great bargains. You might find a diamond in the rough. Um, The experience isn't so exhausting, Um, but I I do in actually tonight's episode of uh, that. I just put out for um, thrift across new England. There are two stores that I go to on the vineyard. One is a traditional thrift store and one is a consignment store. And I talk about that, you know, um, how my cost of goods was like $13 at the consignment store average. And at the other store was like six. Um, but you'll see the difference in the things that I picked up. So it, and I, I really enjoyed doing the haul with those two halls side by side. First, this is the third comparison. Store. Yeah, it is a good comparison. And people can judge for themselves like, oh, I would never pay that much money or, oh, that seems like, look at all the names you got at that store or whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Like it's, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it, it was a fun shopping experience. The consignment store, like the, the owner was like suggesting things and knew her inventory and yeah. could point us in the right direction. I mean, you know, it's a different experience when it's consignment, when it's buy, sell trade, you know? So anyway, yeah, we love it all. We like it all. We have zero preference. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whatever place is going to give us the best inventory. That's really what it comes down to. Exactly. Um, 
this question is fun. This is our last question, guys. And it is, what is the safest and best way to sell handbags? Um, eBay authentication, online authentication, the real, real fashion file. Is Poshmark a safe place to sell as well? Um, well, Lori has a story about buying on Poshmark when it comes to handbags. And I'm assuming that you mean luxury handbags or more like designer um, handbags. So if you're selling just like Fossil, anything like, uh, you know, Calvin Klein, you can sell those on any um you can sell those on ebay and poshmark macari like you don't really have to worry about much but if you're talking about specifically designer and luxury um always authenticate no matter how you do it if you want to send it into fashion file the real real they're going to tell you if it's real or fake and they're you know they're going to be very nice about it they're not like going to report you or anything for sending something that you know is possibly a way it's a way to save money if you just send it it to them instead of getting it authenticated they'll authenticate it for you yeah Um, Online authentication, I've used it. I've used um, real authentication numerous times and they've been great. That's what um, I use as well. That's and this, real, real authentication. Yeah, real authentication. And then there's other ones out there, but I haven't used them. But real authentication is a wonderful tool. You have to be okay with paying up the $30. Um, the first time, I think it's 25 They give you a discount, I think. I think it was 20 the first time. And then, yeah, and then it's 30 after that. But uh, it's peace of mind. You know, you have to think of it as a business expense. Um, eBay authentication is new. I believe they just released that this past week. Uh, so I don't have any experience with eBay authentication. Um, most of my higher end luxury, I will sell myself for, or try to sell myself for the first few months and I end up sending it in. I just sent in, um, a Dior bag to fashion file. So, um, you know, I, I'm comfortable sending in. Did you take the buyout? I took the buyout, $375. So I more than doubled my money. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, and someone might be thinking like, well, that was, and it is a more rare Dior bag, and I probably could have waited for the $700 offer on a different platform, but you know what? Money. Money. Again, and and this comes down to people's business models. Like if somebody wants to store that for a year and wait for the $700, they can, and you, your business model is buy it and then flip it and put the money in your bank account and then move on to the next piece. So really, it's, it's really just depends on what you like. All right. So I have a new story. Oh, you have another story. Okay. My first story was I bought a, um, a piece, a Louis Vuitton pochette Matisse for $1,700 on- That Lori's been eyeing for a long time. I've been eyeing for a long time. I bought it. Um, it was, you know, they were selling around 2000, 2100. This was 17. Um, it looked legit. And if it wasn't, I don't, I don't worry about things not being authentic because either, I mean, at that price point, Poshmark authenticates over Correct. $500. But if even if it passed through Poshmark and it got to me and I brought it to Louis Vuitton and it was fake, I would still open a case and get my money. Absolutely. I mean, people get their money back for weak things on Poshmark. I got my money back for a piece that I got that was not authentic. I did the research and and it was a handbag. It was not authentic. I could tell from the second I opened the box. I screenshot every uh, every piece of it. I screenshot the actual item and what it should look like. And I mean, it took a couple of days, but I won the case. Zero questions asked. Yeah, well, I think I, I have a case in the making. So oh, I, do you <laughs> tell me? This is- I just was stupid. I was just stupid and impulsive. And there was a um, it was a Chanel bag for four hundred dollars. That's it's it's definitely fake. It's definitely <laughs> fake. But the pictures weren't clear, and it was like somebody. 
There's there some was just good fakes though. Okay. So let's throw that. There's some really, really there's good, some really good fakes, but I feel like the real fakes are like, they're marketed really beautifully. Yeah. They, you know, the hardware is almost identical to what it should be, but then they're charging $200 for it. And there's multiple listings of the same bag by the same seller. This is right. what they do. They sell knockoffs. So this was like a one-off and it was the caviar. Um, My favorite. Yeah. And it's, it was one, I paid $400 for it. There is about a 2% chance that it's real, a 98% chance that it's fake, but should I get it in the mail and it is real, it's like a $6,000 bag. There's, there's no way. Yes. Oh, I should show you the listing. You're going to look at it and be like, it's fake. And then I'm going to be really sad. I'm so surprised I'm, you didn't even send it to me. Well, because I didn't want to hear it. True friendship. True friendship. Um, yeah, no, because I knew like the second I bought it, it but just I bought a Chanel wallet for $150 and I had no idea it was real until it came to me and it was. So yeah. So if you want to look at it, you can just it just look up Chanel women's purse. <laughs> That's the title. Well, this is <laughs> Chanel Women's Purse. Apostrophe S. $400. Look up your solds. The, well, the thing that got me was the close-up of the leather. And they're all blurry pictures. Like, it almost reminded me of somebody who had, and then the, the, the bag is probably fake as well, the dust bag, but I don't know what their dust bags look like, so. Scrolling. You find it? It's $400. Let it's me filter. The, the black by flap. And, and the, this is the description. Are you ready? Ready. It says, Chanel purse from France. Great. <laughs> but, like I said, 98% chance it's fake, but. But if it's real, you score. I will die. There's will some die. others on here that have sold for, this is one for 500. You just wonder if anybody just inherited this. They had no idea what it was. I mean, they think Chanel, all right, $400. Can you imagine? No, I can't imagine. That's why I was like, well, what the hell? What's the worst thing that can happen? I open a case and say, this is fake, which is probably in the style tags. I is can't find a $400 one. I found a $300 one. Really? Send me the listing. $500 one. I'm not finding it, Lori. There's a no. lot of Chanel being sold for $350. No, it's $400. Oh, what if you go by the, um, well, I probably shouldn't say who the seller is. Do you want me to just send you these? Just send it to me, Lori. Okay. <laughs> so I can look at it. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of fakes on Poshmark now. A it ton never of issue. fakes. And actually, oh, can I, can I um, be a little biatch for a second? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, our is, podcast, you can do what you want. What is this thing with Poshmark um, sending me messages saying, help keep Poshmark in tip top shape? Yeah, all the time. Like they're expecting us to Can go you through listings. To keep Poshmark in tip top shape? No, I'm not doing I'm it. Like, and I don't get bent out of shape about a lot of the stuff that people complain about. I will say, like, sometimes people, like, you know, they don't want to run the posh and sips and all that stuff. I'm right. like, well, whatever, then don't, you know? But no, like this, but like 
Poshmark isn't like harassing me to run Posh and Sips. Like they're yeah. harassing me by sending me this notification and saying, keep this app in tip top. Yeah. So I'm going to take my extra spare time after I share my 1300 items and then click on these things to try to help you authenticate them. And some of them are ridiculous things. Like they're not even like Brandy Melville. Why? Like speaking Zara. of automation, that's just a robot telling us to yeah. go on there and do their job. Right. Oh my God. I was so pissed about it. Yeah. I get them all the time too. I just ignore them. I don't see the point. Why do I need to do your work? You don't pay me. I am not on your payroll. No. You take a 20% commission from me every time I sell something. Yeah. You I should be sending you my listings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go through my closet. Um, anyways, no, I find Poshmark has a ton of fakes. I've been like really looking a lot lately and, um, I don't know why you just don't go on fashion file. Well, because fashion file is just more money and I'm looking for a bargain. In fact, that pochette Matisse was mm -hmm. on eBay, not the black one that I'm looking at. It was in monogram and it was on auction and I had put in a bid for $990 and these right. go for like same 1800 to 2000. Mm -hmm. The, the the highest bid, it was $1,270. You just missed it, Lori. Well, I didn't just miss it. I stopped because it wasn't the one I really, I didn't really want the monogram. Yeah, that's a really but good price. I, but I would buy it for a thousand and sell it for 1800 and take take my cut and put it towards the bag that I want. That's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so there are, and see, the reason that I keep coming back to places like eBay and Poshmark is because you can maybe find that Chanel that somebody doesn't know and they're pricing it low. You're not going to find that on Fashion File. On no. Fashion File and The Real Real, this is what they do. You're going to pay. They're going to get as much money out of that bag as they possibly can. You're not going to find a bargain on those websites. You can find a bargain on Poshmark or eBay, somebody who doesn't know what they have, but then you run the risk of buying fake right. Chanel bags for $400. <laughs> Did you try Tradesy yet? Speaking of a good place to sell handbags, if you have luxury, Tradesy's a good place too. Um, I have not. I've, a good place I have purchased um, a legit, I bought a Louis Vuitton pouch. It's like a makeup bag. It almost looks like a camera bag. It's like the size of, it's like the size of these bags I'm looking at, but it's just a pouch and I, I paid only $90 for it. That's on funny. and it's real the problem was the inside was sticky like had melted the, the you know the coating that's on the canvas of right. louis vuitton bags they get like gummy if they're not stored properly after a while so the inside was like black sticky mess like disgusting yeah. but i had been watching videos on restoring louis vuitton bags and one of the things that they do often is when they get these bags i think it was just was alcohol or peroxide you take a q-tip and you have to be very careful because you don't want to you don't want to get the canvas that it's touching and then you literally you just go over it with a q-tip and I went through like a hundred q-tips because they get black from but you get off and it, what it leaves behind is just the raw suede oh nice it's beautiful so um and it's the inside of the bag it was like inside so I restored it and it's gorgeous um but I mean I could probably get three three fifty for it yeah. So, I mean, if you ever get sick of it, it's a great flip on your end. It is. And it's really cute. Um, I sent you the images. Did you get okay, them? Okay. Hold on. I'll look right now. Yes. I just got it. Um, Wait for it, everybody. Here she goes. Well, it has the authentication card. 
which right. And what's funny about that authentication card, this is a fun fact. I did some fact checking. I have all this, oh, this authentication card in that wallet too. I should compare them. So this number one Oh two one eight one eight four. Look it up. Um, when you put that number in, it brings up the classic flap. Like that's the number for the classic flap. Okay. Um, also, there was, I went to a website on how to identify fake Chanel bags. And it said something like, I don't remember the era, but there was like, during this time, the, the number on the card, there were six numbers. During this time, there were seven. And I think it was like from the 90s to the 2000s, early 2000s, there were eight numbers. It said no Chanel bag will ever have a nine digit code. So this was, so I'm like, oh no, is this nine digits, but it's eight. Now, you know what picture, and I'm, I apologize to our listeners. Because yeah. Sorry you guys, you can't see this, but. <laughs> but the photograph of the close up, um, which yeah. I think with what I sent to you was, um, which picture is it? Oh no, it's the one that kind of shows the top part of the mm-hmm. flap of the bag. And if, right now. I feel like that looks really good. The it- sticking. It does, but I'm going to tell you, when you hold it, you'll be able to tell. I'm sure it's fake. There is a Chanel bag that is not authentic that they make that you can buy on one of those websites that that exists where they have like all knockoffs that they they have mimicked this bag to perfection and the interior looks similar to this, but the caviar leather is very different than the lambskin leather. So it has all the right markings. I mean, the logo looks right. I don't know if that duster bag was ever in use though. Yeah. That duster bag is the biggest red yeah. flag in the whole thing. Is the, the duster. Duster. I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen a duster bag. Nope. that looks like that by Chanel. No. Nope. See guys, this is the way authentication is so hard. It is. But so this is also for me, mm-hmm. like I'm going to get this and I'm going to analyze the heck out of this bag. It's a really great video, Lori, to like, show people what your process and what you did and how you and what the red flags were for you yeah and and just I mean I'm sure it is a fake but like the only the only question for me is I don't know if I want to pay the $30 well if I get it and it feels good then I'll then I will um pay the $30 um obviously because that's a drop in the bucket for this bag right it's probably fake because I've asked them if it's real and they haven't responded to me. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good indicator. Um, but it could be, it, it could be real, but it could also be one of those really good fakes that um, our friend Jill one, I think it was last year found a very similar bag. Um, and it was a limited edition Chanel bag and it looked identical, identical to the uh. real one. And the feel of it, it had real leather, everything about it. If she's listening, I'm sure she's like screaming because she, I thought it was real. She thought it was real. The hardware was correct, except for one little piece. And then she went and looked at the serial number and um, it did not match what the serial number should be. Um, but everything else was perfect. Perfect. Oh, that's so That's upset. the thing Like you know, these companies are getting really good at um, creating items that are not authentic to look and feel like they're authentic. Yeah. Um, there's a big, you know, luxury. And Sarah talked about this too when she was on the episode. But there's like this, there's a huge problem with luxury being faked out there. Oh and, gosh. And I mean, this is probably the most faked bag in the universe. It is. It is the most desirable bag. Yeah. When it comes to Chanel. Yeah. It's okay, Lori. 
It's a good It'll learning experience. It'll be a fun learning experience. I, I, I mean, I went in with my eyes wide open. I knew it was probably a flake, fake, but like I said, so many of the fakes are marketed like they're real. And this just looks like somebody had no idea what they were dealing with and took. I mean, that's how my DR looked like. And then it ended up being the second I touched it, it was real. And I knew it. The second so, I touched it. so to be continued, yeah. <laughs> we will see what Lori says next week. <laughs> if it's real or not. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Those questions were perfect. Um, that was a great conversation. Um, it's always fun to reflect on some of these things. Yes. That we do in this crazy job. It's a fun job, though. Get Super to meet fun. a lot of people. Super fun. It is. Yeah. I'm gonna go and finish watching Halston on Netflix. That's oh, what I'm It's um, about Halston, the designer. It's, yeah. I think you would like it. Oh, good. I will watch it. Um, Anthony's girlfriend is here for one more night, and we are gonna go watch Get Out. Have you seen that? No. Let's get Spooky. out. Oh, Spooky. the scary movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we've seen it before. But my kids, I've raised all babies. None of them like horror movies like our movies either they are their dad um i don't <laughs> i always say i don't like I, the real gory stuff i don't prefer it i don't like it but it doesn't scare me the thrillers scare me like the stuff the the csi stuff the stuff that can really happen yeah. that scares me true crimes those scare i love me. true crime those don't scare me <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much for listening and we will be back next week good night everyone good day good day, yeah. good, day, good, day good night good afternoon <laughs> bye bye Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villa's Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.